Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. We're going to open up a new series today, Volume 2 of Ephesians. Volume 1 uh, has already been uh, recorded. Uh, you, can, you can catch up if you'd like to. All the podcasts are on Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. YouTube has uh, the, 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 whole, the whole services on it. Uh, we're starting a, a second volume in Ephesians at, with, with the title, so wonderfully put out there today, This Is My Body. I want to read a couple passages. Uh, if you have your Bible, if you have the Version app, you can go to, um, on the Version app, the events, and look for LOH Church. Hit that, and it'll give you all the scriptures and all the notes and all that stuff, all the PowerPoint slides. Tim Skiles puts that together. That's there every week. And uh, in we go. I'm going to read uh, chapter 1, verse 18 to start. Let's see the microscope in here. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And then on to 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And this is where we're going to zero in. And he put all things under his feet. You see the imagery of Jesus being a body, a body, even in heaven. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head. That's authoritative, but also picture we're talking body here. Head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the children of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, two of my favorite words in passages of the Bible, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when... We were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And we're going to come back to all this, by the way, so don't worry. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, which we're in one of those right now, he might show his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God's word is awesome, right? Here you go, sir. Go Bengals. I hope Joe doesn't get COVID this week. We need everybody on that team. He, he, they won't. We'll pray. We'll pray. <laughs> Volume 2 of Ephesians. This is my body. Jesus 
said that, pointing to the bread, pointing to the bread, the night that he was betrayed, having communion with his followers. This is my body broken for you. But if Jesus Christ was standing right here today, he would look out, he was right here, he would look out and say, this is my body. If you are born of the spirit, this is my body. That's what I want us to see. Where, were, where have we been so far in 2022? Well, we've been talking about traveling forward, traveling ahead, uh, and what we need to carry in our heart. Uh, but now, with that imagery, I want us to realize who is walking in our shoes as we travel ahead, as we're looking ahead. When Jesus was on the earth, Jesus of Nazareth in, walked into the temple in Jerusalem, the temple, the, the concrete stone-built temple, and he drove the money changers out of this place that they were not supposed to be, the court of the Gentiles. They didn't allow the Gentiles into the place God allowed them, and they were making a marketplace out of it and made Jesus mad, and he made a whip, and he drove them out, and he said, this is my father's house, and it's to be a house of prayer for all the people. And they say to him, by what authority do you do these things? And he said this mysterious, cryptic statement to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it again. And they gasped and snickered. They said, it took 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? And he didn't answer them. He didn't answer them. Later, the disciples remembered those words when Jesus rose from the dead. What Jesus was saying, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it again. He was speaking of the temple of his body. When Jesus of Nazareth was on the earth, he was the kingdom of God. He was the dwelling place of God in a body, nowhere else, right? Paul later says to the Christians in Corinth, who believed in Jesus and had the Spirit of God fill their spirit and make them alive, he said, do you not know that you are the temple of the living God? And he would also say this, do you not know that your body, spirit-born believer, is the body of Jesus? Jesus would stand right here, the apostles would stand right here, and say this, this, you are the body of of Christ. So, in volume two of Ephesians, that's where we're going to go. We're going to unpack the mission of the church, which is his body, and we are to walk forward with Jesus in our shoes. Okay? It also says that he's the head. Now, I want you to think about this. If the Spirit of God is leading us, the Spirit of God will lead every believer in the same direction that the Spirit of God led Jesus in his body. If, the, if Jesus is the head and the Spirit is in us, we will be heading, <laughs> pun intended, we will be heading in the direction that the Spirit of God led Jesus. Let me even make that even more. We will be heading in the direction that should look like where he was heading and he would be heading if he was really here still. Is that correct? Yes. Right? Um, if the Spirit of God is really going to lead our lives, then we will be led to who he was led to. We will have a desire and a focus on those that he touched, those he prioritized, 
those that he helped, those that he saved, and those that he set free. The very first group of people that he mentions in the very first sermon he ever gives is the poor. First. I ask you this question if, you, if you're familiar with the story of Jesus. Did Jesus break down barriers between races? Yes. And sexes? Yes. Do you know he even welcomed women into his inner circle? That was unheard of in that time. Do you know the first people that said that Jesus rose from the dead were two women? Did Jesus unpack and reveal what the heart of God was really like? Yeah. Did Jesus redefine who the chosen people were? Yes. Think about that for a minute. Did Jesus redefine temple? Yeah. Did Jesus redefine power? Yeah. Did he redefine outstanding leadership? Yeah. Then all of those same things will be seen in people, pastors, churches, who are genuinely, genuinely being led by the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Jesus are always in agreement. Did Jesus raise a political movement? Let me say it over here. Ask over here. Did Jesus raise a political movement? Hmm? Right. Was the kingdom of God a movement of politics? No. Did Jesus call people from different political points of view? Races, different economic backgrounds, different cultures, to be a part of the original 12. Yeah, keep saying yeah until you need to say no. Listen carefully. (laughs) No! Then, and I'm talking about me first, then all the things we saw in him, we will see in God's people today, Pastors, churches, if we are truly being led by the Spirit of God, regardless of our doctrinal distinctums under the true doctrine of Jesus Christ. That means whether you're Pentecostal or non, whether you're a fun dementalist or a funky dementalist or a fundamentalist with no fun or a free will Baptist, a no will Baptist, a bound will Baptist whether you're the first assembly or last assembly. Or who, whatever I'm, if I'm a Bible-believing preacher and a Bible-believing church, then the Spirit of God, if I believe the evidence of being filled is of this or that or the other, regardless, then the Spirit of God, if I'm being led by that, will look like what Jesus looked like as I walk forward In the spirit of God. Now somebody has to adjust. And I don't think it's the Holy Spirit. I wonder if it's the Holy Spirit's passion to open our eyes to what we're trying to say here. This is my body. That's where we're going. So strap in. 
It's my passion in this volume to unpack this part of Ephesians, and we're going we're gonna to connect it to Luke's gospel and see where Jesus walked and see how he felt about those he walked toward, and we're going to let that just sink into us. We're going to start way back, and we're going to start where we need to start um, in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 that we've just read. Here's the first point I want to make about his body and our body. His body and our body. Jesus of Nazareth was born by a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. And any person, regardless if you're a Presbyterian or a Catholic or a charismatic or a non-charismatic or a right-wing believer or a left-wing believer, whatever wing you want to be winging on, To get there and to do what God wants us to do here, there must be a birthing in my spirit that comes from heaven. Unless you're born from above, unless you're born again, unless you're born of the spirit, you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God, right? So that's a miraculous thing. And remember, it's like this. The son of God always existed. There was not a moment ever when God was born. Now, he is the I am, and he will never become the I was in the sense that he was more powerful at a moment than he is now. He is in the constant now I am, and the son as well. The son always existed when we began, and when this whole thing, the whole cosmos, the day it began, God already was. And so was the Son. But the Son of God had to be born into this world to fulfill the role of the Savior, the Son of Man, the servant of Yahweh. Now, how did that happen? Michael Card is one of my favorite uh, writers and songwriters. And he wrote this song called The Mystery, and I I just want to share a couple lines from it. When the Father longed to show a love he wanted us to know, he sent his only Son and so became a holy embryo. That is the mystery. More than you can see. Give up your pondering and fall on your knees. Because the fall did devastate, creator must now recreate. And so to take our sin was made like us so we could be like him. That is the mystery. More than you can see. Give up your pondering and fall on your knees. Behold, the mystery of God is great, Paul said. He appeared in a body. Mary said, how? She asked, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said, here it is, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. And for that reason... The holy child shall be called the son of God. He came into this world by a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit, and we come into God's kingdom world by the same. His body, our body. Ephesians elaborates this idea that his body is still on the earth in the called out, ek meaning 
to call ecclesia, meaning to assemble. Church, that's what the word church means. We are called out to assemble. It's God's voice that calls us together, assembling in fellowship with the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and with those who live in the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's what church is. The ecclesia is also called the, the body of Christ on the earth, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. Now, the difference between the son of God, who became son of man, he was born from life to life. We are born again from death to life. In Ephesians chapter 2, I want to drill in here, verse number 1. The reason I like to walk is because I can get some mileage on my meter while I'm, while I'm preaching. And Paul says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked. Notice the past tense intention. You formerly walked according to the course, we're going to look at that, of this world. And the world is not the earth. The world is the system, the godless system in the world that sucks the life of you out of you and me out of me. And it's a course, it's animated, it's, it's, it's powerful, it's a sway. And we walked according to the course of this world, uh, and, he, and he explains it in deeper terms, according to the prince of the power of the air, the one who animates the course of the world is Satan himself. According to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit, now this will wreck you, that is now working, what's the next two letters? You got it? Can you see it? Can you say it out loud? Man, you guys are very eloquent. What, what, I-N, what does that spell? In. Look at it. Shoo. We have coffee, guys, out there. And this one has, you know what? I made the, did you ever make the best cup of coffee before you have to preach? And then you don't want to give it up. It's got white chocolate raspberry flavoring in it, so just hold on a second. Oh, baby. Okay. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Now, all you girls that want the Bible to be equal and you want to get rid of all the man stuff and the son stuff, do you want to be included in that? Hate to tell you, girls are included in that too. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Now, guys, stay with me if you would on this slide up there, guys. Notice the word flesh. The word flesh doesn't mean this. It, 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 I'm going to oversimplify this for time. Think of flesh like this. There is within every person, even if you're born in the spirit, this is still in there, in all of us. There is within all of us a self-absorbed, broken, and unfixable desire and desires that are deceptive and godless. Whether you're a pastor, a pastor's kid, a deacon's kid, a missionary, or a guy sitting at the gutter, president, senator, whatever. 
there is a part of every person within our soul that is self-absorbed, broken, unfixable. It has desires that are deceptive and godless, that, that is seeking its own way, knowingly or not. You know anyone like that? Don't look around. <laughs> Romans 8 calls this the law of sin and death. And it has a grip on every person. But it doesn't have the grip on people who have the spirit of God in them. I like you. Be, be ready for another one. You ready? With that said, all of us have human needs that are God-created. There's nothing wrong with human needs. Sexual, uh, any biological, uh, relational, Nothing wrong. That, that they were given to us by God. We were made in the image of God. But here's the problem. Because we have that flesh that seeks to meet all of those basic human needs in some form or fashion in a corruptible, self-absorbed way, we are on a course of destruction. That was not how Jesus came into the world. He didn't have that. Every one of us did, including his mom, including his dad, including his brothers and sisters, including the high priest, including Peter, James, and John. And when Jesus reveals his goodness, the first thing Simon says is, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. In other words, if you knew what was inside of me, you wouldn't think I could go out and catch people as fish around the, all the nations of the world. What's Jesus say to him? Don't be afraid. Come on with me. You're all like that. You're all like that. But God, in his grace, in his empathetic, sympathetic heart, came for us. But notice, life, to bring life to dead people, to bring them to life. That's what we're talking about. Let's talk about what it means even more. It, it says the word course. It says the word course. It says that all of us were moving within a course of godlessness within and without. The, the spirit of the world system matched that fleshly part of me. It was a good match. I didn't wake up every day going, something, I just lived, right? I didn't wake up and say, how many sins am I going to commit this week? I haven't been sinning enough lately. I mean, I didn't go around, the, well, I don't want to explain myself. If I tell me my, yours, you have to tell me. If, if I tell you mine, you have to tell me yours, but I'm not going to do that. But I was moving along in that course. Picture it like this. The course of this world, you, you, I love to drive into those cities where you have to do a roundabout. You know? And I usually get it wrong. The GPS girl, I, she has a British accent, by the way, mine does. And she says, turn off at the second. And sometimes I don't know which one's the second. Because I don't know if I remember if I was... Saw the first because I was listening to a song. And I don't know if I'm on the first or the second. Usually I have to do a roundabout about three times. <laughs> Intentionally or not. Imagine getting on one and there was no exit. I remember getting on this highway going. Uh, it was supposed to get you around New York City. And I got around New York City twice. Because <laughs> I missed. And I didn't know how to get back. Anyway, 
That's the course of this world. The course of this world, it, it, it matches our, our flesh, and there are no off-ramps. There are no off-ramps. And nothing's telling you, recalculate. Recalculate. At the next exit, do a UE. There's nothing that, you don't even know it. But not only that, it says this, we're under the influence. How did it become 24 minutes already? I'm here all week. Uh, gosh. I didn't know. Not only that, but we're under the influence. Listen, listen, listen. This is, we're under the influence of the prince of darkness whose spirit, his spirit, listen, are you listening? His spirit matches our flesh part. It's the same. In us. Now listen, that's culture shock and conscience rock to really allow that truth to get next to you. I mean, when you went in for a job interview, you go in for a job interview and they ask you the question, where do you see yourself in five years? You don't say, well, Fred, I'm not sure, but I know one thing for sure. I am committed to continue on the path of following the prince of darkness in my soul. You're hired. <laughs> Sally, get this man down to human resources. Is any in here stat? No, right? No. We don't even think that way. You read the scriptures and we love the scriptures and Caleb always sings the songs Mostly about the good, comforting scriptures that Jesus... I love that about Caleb, but, it, but there's, there's songs that could be sung that truth wouldn't comfort. It would make you very stressed out, and that would be a good thing. I am very concerned for our generation that is being so conditioned. I, I see a lot of our generation suffering from post-traumatic scripture disorder. La, 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 like Jim Carrey in the, in the, the dog car. La, 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 la. Because Jesus is also called a rock of offense, according to Isaiah, that he would come and he would defend, he would offend us one and all. And not only do we need the comforting words of Jesus, but we also need to be confronted by the one who brings truth in raw, gut-exposing, gut-honest reality to us. Raise your hand. I feel very uncomfortable saying that today. We're not in that world anymore. See, and here's the problem. I might have to just do what I have to do today because I'm, I'm going to drill this in. Satan does not manifest himself with horns and venomous spittle spraying like a forked tongue all over you when he appears. He doesn't appear. Unless he's dressed up like a record producer, offering the world to some young Christian girl named Katie. If you just put the Jesus part away, I can take you places. Satan is seated right now in the chair of New Testament theology in a university down in the Bible Belt, telling future pastors that the word of God is made up by men and it's a myth, and that Jesus of Nazareth was a good man, but when he died, he died, and his followers were so traumatized by that that they created the Son of God image. You think I'm lying? Go look up how many people like to hear Bert, Bart Ehrman talk. 
I talked to him one time and said, how did you get there? Because I heard that you were a believer. He said, I wasn't only a believer, but I was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And I asked him this question. I said, well, was your baptism of man or from heaven? He never answered me. Some people in America and in the world need to go down to the pawn shop and see if they can buy their conscience back. The you are okay, put this on delay, not today because you can't change anyway is a lie from the serpent who runs the roundabout. And when you come near truth, he's going to come up and say, do you realize what this will cost you to obey and change? Do you realize what you'll lose? He never wants you to think about what you gain forever and ever and five billion years later, it's still like the first day of forever. And at his right hand is pleasures forevermore. Don't ever look at that. Just think how audacious it would be to go from 4% to 10%. Oh my God, what are you going to do? Break up with, give up. the. He won't tell you that he's deceived you into calling a trash heap a treasure chest because that's the way of the world. That's it. That's the roundabout. That's him. He's good at it, isn't he? You never even know he's there. He doesn't want to know you to know he's there. He wants everything you do and think to be, you to think it's you, only you. You're not in a war. You're in the now. You're right here and right now. And that's the course. Sounds hopeless, right? Wrong. Because in verse 4, there are two words that says, but God. But God. And here's the good news. Every work of God begins with an impossible situation. Every work of God in a person begins with a person that's impossible. Impossible. Are there people in your family you think, if, that, if, if my father or my friend gets saved, there is a God? Well, there's probably somebody that thought that about you and me. Now, here's the next point. His body, his body dying on the cross for us we believe that brings us into vibrant life. We are born to belong within the beloved. God loves his son more than we could ever imagine. We'll never even, when we see it, it'll blow us away. But what God wants to do to blow us into the way right now is to reveal to us what Paul prayed and what Greg read. Paul prayed that in our inner being, we'd, the light would come on and we'd be strengthened with power to know the love of Christ for us that reaches higher than the high and lower than the low and wider than the wide and deeper than the deep so that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Why? Because when we live in the fullness of that kind of love, there isn't anything that God can't do in us and through us. That he wants to do. Look at this. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love for love with which he loved us 
even when, stop. All that I described and every person that's still on the roundabout. Even when he loved us, when we were the walking dead, we were the walkers. We've been bitten. But for those who believe that gospel, that have a Holy Ghost connection and a Holy Ghost match of faith, we were dead in our transgressions, but he made us alive together with Christ by grace. Nobody can boast on that. We were all going round and round. There's some smart sinners. You ever there, Huh? And there's some good-looking ones. By grace you've been saved, and he raised us up with him. He seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, and we're in one right now, here's what God wants to do for you and me. He wants to show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us who are in Christ Jesus. Are the Nazarenes in Christ Jesus? The Wesleyans? Fundamentalists? Catholics? Now there's people in the fundamentalist church who say Catholics aren't, but I got one for us. The Catholics, with my, some of them might think we're not. How do you know? Do you know because you have a Jesus Club card? I prayed with Pat Robertson in 1978, gave him 100 bucks. I'm in. <laughs> Some of you are too young to even know who that is. <laughs> Me too, I just read about him. But <laughs> he wants to show his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We're raised up from the dead. Now, some of us have had, can point to a moment and go, I can take you to the spot where that happened to me. And other people say, it was a process of time, you know? But every person that has that happen to them, God, you're in the beloved just like Jesus. He loves us just like Jesus. What did Jesus do for us? Jesus got on the roundabout. Jesus got on the roundabout. And he was the only one life to life. Everybody else was dead. And he called dead people to follow him. He was sinless. He took our penalty. It said with children of wrath. He took the punishment for our sins on himself. It was laid on him by God the Father. I, and they nailed him to a cross. And his heart is beating on that cross. And blood is flowing out of every beat. And it's heaven pure, Jesus. It's perfect and spotless. It's the blood that speaks better than Abel's call for vengeance on a brother that murdered him. They are murdering the Son of God and the blood is saying, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them, forgive Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Forgive them, forgive them. 
every drop pumped from his heart. He who knew no sin on that roundabout became a sin offering for us on that roundabout so God could create an impossible thing in the real, an off-ramp from the roundabout. For whoever, whoever. Well, I'm just destined to go this way. I was born this way. There's nothing I can do. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. It's not I. It's him. Roundabout. There's the way. Well, I can't follow a God that only gives us one way. What's your option? Who told you that? Who stirred that up in you? I'll tell you who it is. S-A-T-A-N. It's not bigotry from God to make a way for people that don't deserve a way. That's not bigotry. That's mercy. Anybody hear me on this side of the room? You hearing me? Probably go to jail for that in about 10 years. Probably get canceled. Because we're living in post-traumatic truth disorder. If you don't like it, kill it. We need a gospel that can get to the guts of the problems and stop medicating demonic sources and calling it love. God would count his death as our death, his resurrection as our resurrection, his ascension as ours, and his commission as ours. And Jesus would look out here and say, I not only did that for you, I am calling you. I want to walk in your shoes. And here's why. Because the one who is on that roundabout, Satan, has declared war on the gospel. He's declared war on the gospel. That's where his war is. And he will fight you. He will fight me. All that was my introduction, by the way. Strap in. He will fight you and me over that metaphor that I'm the body of Jesus Christ. You are the body. I didn't say I'm Jesus Christ. Hang around me for two days and you'll know. He, he's not Jesus Christ. You might, well, anyway. He's terrified that you walk in this truth. He wants, you know what he'll do instead? He wants to divide us. He wants to distract us. He wants to deceive us. He wants to depress us. He wants to demoralize us and every other kind of D that I couldn't think of lest we get on the offensive and crush his head. He wants you to fear him. He's a maniacal narcissist who thinks he's getting praise when you're afraid. He's a liar. He's dead he's in, 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 the, in, the, in the position uh, over any blood-bought kid of God. He has already been defeated Jesus made a public spectacle of him on the cross, exposing him for who he is. But he wants our eyes on other people. He wants our eyes on other, peop- other kinds of people. Well, all the while, that dark principalities calling us back to that roundabout, appealing, appealing to that flesh part that we all have so that we'll get back on a course of meaningless, self-absorbed life to dim our brightness. 
There are dark agitators from heavens, from the heavens, stirring up people's empty souls to divide, to plant discords among people and races and cities and families and schools, to influence influencers who influence to divide and dim our light so that you watch stuff and listen to stuff and download stuff that cause your hate to burn again and your anger to be uncontrolled. But we are not called to be in a war with people. We are in a war against the hidden agenda of the dark prince. We need to shake free from this stuff, man. There is no political agenda that can break a demonic force. Only a heavenly heart that's willing to go into a roundabout and love the unlovable, the unloving, and those who drive nails into you. Only a lamb can conquer evil. So the church needs to face forward and serve the will of a God so loves the world. World. And Satan is seeking to dim that light in us and cover it up in busy religious activity instead of being about the master's work. He wants to bait you and me into spouting out our big mouths, making statements in a vacuum of gra- with no grace, on a crusade for truth to marginalize your influence and mine with people who aren't conditioned to hear such a thing and definitely not in the way we present it. Listen, nobody that's in the left side of America is going to get drawn to Jesus by hearing a bunch of people, including Christians, yelling, let's go Brandon, meaning F. Joe Biden. The Spirit of God will never animate your spirit to say that, or mine. But there are talk show hosts that will. And there's Instagram posts that will. Are you going to vote me out now? And I think it goes along as well for other groups who describe Jesus being kind and compassionate and welcoming, but then will rip your eyeballs out if you say something that disagrees with their political point of view and cancel you and totally dehumanize you. Ain't none of us any better than anybody else. All the while, when we speak out what we just had to say and then not realize the devil made us say it and we've just cut ourselves off from any influence from anyone else except our own choirs, echo chambers, 
I'm telling us the truth right now. Jesus was the greatest social justice warrior that ever walked the earth. And Isaiah told us how he would come and attack social justice causes. In Isaiah 42, which Matthew chapter 12 also speaks of, it says, look at my servant. This is talking about Jesus the Messiah, whom I have chosen. He's my beloved. He pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him. And listen, he will proclaim justice to the nations. But here's how he will do it. He will not fight. This, you can look this up. This is Matthew 12, 18 to 21. It's in the Bible. I'm not making this up. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public, which probably means he wouldn't storm Congress. Probably. And he probably wouldn't throw rocks through store windows or burn cities down. I don't think he'd do it. I don't think he'd do it. I'm not saying that there aren't people that have reasons to do the things they're doing. But if we're going to fall, listen, if we're going to be Republicans, whatever, we're going to be Democrats, whatever, but if we're going to be Christians, let's be Christians. Christians. Finally, he, will, he says, he will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious and in his name will be the hope of the whole world. Now, how did he do that? How did he make justice victorious? Romans 15 says he did this. The scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. And if we're following, if we're spirit-filled Bible believers, our spirit-filledness will be just like his. Now, the reason I don't listen to stuff anymore, a lot, is because I have a point of view. And unlike you, I think I'm right. I got reasons. But when I feel the tension and the turmoil and the tongue wanting to rip it out and talk and post and declare and plant my flag... I can bet you this, Jesus would say to me, Timmy boy, I told James and John this one day, you don't know what spirit you are of. I didn't come to destroy men's lives. I came to save them. Anybody listening? Oh, gosh. All right. His body, our body. The only point I'm making is, the only point I'm making is, the only point I'm making is, is that our light can be diminished. And Jesus says this to us in Luke 8. Jesus says this, Now no one, after lighting a lamp, I know it's too long, but you need to hear it. Now, no one 
No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it over with a container. Everybody say container. That means you put it in something where it only has a certain amount of reach. Nor is it covered up out of a fear of someone seeing it. And then he says, no one, no one covers it up with a container or, and no one puts it under a bed. Do you know what you do on your bed? You sleep. And? But you sleep. In other words, I didn't give you all this revelation so you could go to sleep and say, wake me up when the rapture buses. Give me, when the signs get, hey. Nope. When he comes back, he wants that lamp blazing, right? He wants oil in it, right? Do you hear about those five virgins that fell asleep? What happened to them? Now, your, your theology has to think about this. It's one of those post-traumatic scripture pieces. They lost more than their reward. Here's the thing. Whatever you believe about your soul, here's what I've come to find out. If I look like that, my doctrine might be right, but I'm not right with my doctrine. Because if I look like a foolish servant, if I look like a sleeping virgin, if I have a tainted garment, Jesus said that before any denominational point of view was penned by man. I'll just leave that right there. There is a sinister... I, I really wouldn't, don't want to say that I think this might be a prophetic thing, but I... You just want to say this. You don't have to be a deep intercessor to even know this. There is a sinister strategy up around the bend. And the only people who have discernment, because it's going to be so strong, and it's going to appeal to your flesh. The only people that will have discernment to avoid it and stay in the light and be used by God will be people who are down on the floor with the man with the towel and the basin. Only once. Everybody else is going to miss it a million miles. In the name of God. In the name of truth. In the name of conviction. The serpent is right up the road. Hey, that's the reason why I started out message one, travel pack. Expect attacks. And if you're only looking at one wing... You better look at the other because the whole head of the eagle's sick. Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and they come out with clubs. I said what I said. He came out with, they came out with clubs and swords. And Simon Peter pulls out his sword and there's this guy named Malchus who is a servant of the high priest. And he strikes him. Now, and it says it cut off Malchus's ear. You can't cut off an ear this way. Simon wasn't going for the ear. He was going for Friday the 13th Jason down the middle. And he only got the ear. Not that Jesus, that would have been a healing, wouldn't it? Put his head back together. Because uh, he would have. He put the ear back on him. And, 
But there's a scripture that God thundered. God thundered this scripture to me a few years back when I was on the sewer pipe of Twitter tweeting foolishness away. And that scripture came to me and I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, Tim, what he said to the 12 there, no more of this. No more of this. Here's why. That roundabout, those guys that came out with the sword and the clubs, they were on it. You know what he was saying to them? I'm dying for them too. You've got to, if you, if you, if you say you belong to me, you have to carry your cross, not your crown. If you're going to claim to be mine, you've got to, if you're really the body of Christ, if the spirit of, quit talking about tongues and gifts and what you had, and what, wonderful, but if we don't look, lay down your sword. Here's a word to me and you, church, church, God wants the church to repent of that. I mean, come to Jesus, repent of that. Not, oh, well, my, I'm just getting out carried away. I need to, uh, I know what I'll do. I'll get off Facebook for three weeks. Guys, I'm going to get off Facebook for three weeks. Like, how about six? How about never? Do you know I unfollowed you a year ago? All right, all right. Ready to go home? Here's the need. If our gospel is veiled, it is only veiled to those who are what? We don't sing songs like that anymore. We don't preach on that anymore. The greatest, most popular preachers in America that I love haven't preached on hell or the traumatic results of sin. Every time I listen, it's about feeling better and having peace and overcoming anxiety. Well, listen, there's some, there's some, there's some sons and daughters out in our world that need to lose some sleep over some of the stuff about the roundabout that are trampling the gospel right under their feet. But they're not really trampling the gospel. They're trampling over the people that proclaim the gospel that aren't presenting it, not all, who've diminished the light. But we're right. Put our sign out there. We are a Bible-believing church. What's that mean? If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Now, here's why they're perishing. Because the devil that doesn't exist anymore, the small g God of this world, that system, what has he done? To every cute person, to the National Honor Society president, if he doesn't know Jesus, to the quarterback that's broke records, even for those great athletes that run down the 52 steps. The God of this world 
has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Why? Because the last thing he wants is for you to see the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. That's the last thing he wants. We do not preach ourselves. And we just, we just sit and meditate on that for like two years. We do not preach ourselves. But we say we are bond servants of Jesus. We're going to live a life like Jesus did for his sake. Because we don't want anybody to think Jesus has a deformed body now. For the God who said, let light shine out of darkness. That's what he's still saying. Here's why we do it the way we do it. Because he has shown in our hearts to give the light, to give the light, to give the light. He's shown in our hearts to give the light. He's shown in our hearts to give the light. Of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That means there's an off-ramp that's been made for you if you don't know him. And he's already paid the penalty for your sin, but you have to come to terms with it. You have to face it. You have to fall in humility under the powerful cross of Jesus Christ and call him Lord and call him Savior and call yourself what you are, but what you want to be, but you know you can't, but you're looking for that miraculous intervention of the Holy Spirit that came to every other person that believes in Jesus before you. And he's willing to do, do just that for you right now. Heavenly Father, I pray in this place, I pray, pray in this place for everybody that's on that roundabout that they would not be condemned but they'd be convicted they would see light in the off ramp and run and run because there's a dark prince on that ramp right now tell them it doesn't exist it's not theirs they can't go they can't live it they can't be it it's a lie he will make you what you could never be Run to his cross. If that's you, you just say this. Jesus, I believe that you're real. I believe you're alive. I believe God raised you from the dead after you paying the price for all of my sins, every single one of them for all of time. And I surrender. I don't want to live after my own self-deceived ways, self-absorbed ways. I want you in my life. I'm a walking dead person. I want to live. If you pray that prayer in your heart, you don't have to say it, just meet in your heart. God will touch you right now and set you free into a new life but this is a call to Christians because Paul literally writes two prayers in this letter of Ephesians and they all say this I need I pray for you Christian for your eyes to be opened and here's what I want to do listen guys a couple years ago I had a come to Jesus moment about the guttery sewage of flesh and the, the media and the journalistic stuff that's back and forth shooting across the bow killing people in the name of truth and I didn't want to be a part of it I felt so sick of myself I repented before Jesus I said God I don't want my con my convictions to get in the way of your revelation out of my life I don't want to marginalize the gift of my life by only preaching to a choir God it's not my job but my job is to unveil truth and walk in the truth that you show me help me help me help me forgive me I repented I'm repenting today it's right there if I watch it I go right there I'm not I want to go right there I want you to stand and I want you who you're hearing the the Spirit of God talk to you today you're hearing the Spirit of God and you're saying Lord I want your light to bathe me all over again I want I want to be sweet 
I want to have the sweet spirit of Jesus. I want my heart to break for people that are breaking down the things of this world. I want my heart to break. I want my heart to be like yours. I'm dropping my sword in the garden of the wine press and I'll sweat drops of blood until my hand doesn't grip it anymore in the name of Jesus. And I pray, I call you church to repent of the spirit of this age that's dimmed your light. And I want you to stand in the presence of God and I want you to gut honest, get real about that. And I want us to become people that God can break our heart for the people that are breaking down the world. We're not, we're not, we're not justifying what's going on. We are saying, God, let my light shine like yours that it's a one genuine Jesus light coming out of me for a world that has no hope. I pray it in Jesus' name. I want everybody to stand. I want everybody to stand. Sorry, not sorry for preaching as long as I do, but You need to respond. I need to respond. Please respond. It is not a waste of time to steward the word that God made personal to you. And I pray that as you steward it and as you move on it, the powerful, merciful, gracious, beautiful presence of Jesus will wash you and renew you and restore you and rebuild you and refresh you and make you born again again, if need be. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, have your way. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.